Before you listen in, we'd like to warn you that this podcast does contain explicit language. When I was in third grade, I had a teacher who would always go on about how kids needed to watch less TV and spend time outside. She even had this contest where we could win prizes for not watching TV. When I mentioned that you could actually just angle the TV so you could still watch it outside or get one of those little portable TVs, she wasn't amused. Still, I wasn't going to miss new episodes of the Gilmore Girls, so I proudly lost that contest. You see, I have principles and I love TV. Today, I actually kind of cringe at myself when I say I don't have time to watch a certain TV show. Third grade me would be appalled. But there are just so many shows, and I don't know where to find half of them. I'm Lauren Berry, and this is It's Generational. We brought together our latest panel to talk about some of my favorite things, TV and entertainment. First, we tackled how TV and comedy in particular, has changed over the past decades. Sid Heller and Olivia De Laurentiis, also known as Sid and Olivia, are a comedy duo on the cusp of millennial and Gen Z generations. They joined the show along with baby boomer stand-up Julia Scotti and Odyssey's managing producer of national news podcasts, Myron Kaplan, a Gen X cusper. To get a feel about how each generation connects to TV, I asked them to pick a TV character or performer who defines their generations. I think I know what the Gen Z fighter is. Uh, Oscar the Grouch in the trash can. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like a a garbage daddy. (laughs) Like, yeah, a garbage baddie. Oscar the Grouch in the trash can from Sesame Street, I think is the Gen Z icon because it's living in a garbage fire and it's like, ah, this sucks, but I'm hilarious. And everyone's like, we can learn from you something. But we're not totally sure what it is, but we know we can learn something from you. It's trauma. Yeah. And it's like, I live in the garbage. I live in the garbage, but I'm here to teach you a lesson. And I feel like that's very Gen Z. It's very Greta Thunberg. It's giving Greta. (laughs) And I'm trying my absolute best here on Sesame Street. Yeah, Yeah. okay. That's my final answer for Gen Z. I love that. That's like a Gen Xer too. Like, that's, that's not, I still have to think about picking my fighter, but that really fits the Gen X profile too, but I guess like Gen Zers are kind of the kids of Gen Xers and Gen Xers are just like, they embrace like, they're grumpy. They're like, no one pays attention to us. We're just gonna sit in the corner. I feel like Gen Z is like post, postmodern. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's, there's, I think there's like a an all encompassing thing of like every generation comes from a generation that before it says, we hate you guys because you're <laughs> responsible for all the problems we created. And then every generation feels exactly the same about the generation above them. Um, and so right now, Gen Z is having their moment where they're like, I'm mad and millennials suck. And it's like, yeah, we all do this. We've all done this actually. Okay, I know the millennial one. It would be Demi Lovato's character in Camp Rock. That's a good one. I was I said Lizzie McGuire earlier. That's good. That's good. Yeah. There's also uh, Emily from Emily in Paris. Or, yeah, or Topanga from Boy Meets World is a good one. Is yeah. it because we're corny? It's a. It's you know what it is. It's it's like there. It's it's the millennial thing. I think people always think about it in like a Buzzfeed kind of generation of yeah. like. There was this kind of like cheesy, cute, sweet, but also like, oh, I don't know about adulting. That's like how people make fun of millennials. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at least on TikTok. But at the same time, like we're also technically maybe millennials. We're like zillennials. Well, it's great because we belong nowhere. We're right between Gen Z and millennials. So yeah. both groups absolutely despise us. Yeah. It's perfect. Because who wants to Actually, <laughs> I would say a really good fighter for millennials would be Ren Stevens from Even Stevens. 
because well, if you wanted to win yeah because ren stevens is her whole thing is she's like i am on it i'm like surrounded by people who do are not fans of me like her family is always giving her crap they're not like being supportive all the time but she's like i'm on it i'm gonna be class president i have to like you know prove that i'm a feminist and smart and able to do things but everyone's just like sorry ren <laughs> sorry ren that's meta that's really good yeah I that mean, was I, good I love Ren, but me too. I was know. always a fan, but I'm a yeah. cheesy millennial. So what can I, mean, I do? This is for me. No, but for me, this is like watching the Grammys because I just sit there all night going, who, who, who? <laughs> yeah. I Ever since Stephen Eady died, I haven't been the same. I just, hmm. no, you guys don't even know. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. How does it feel? How does it feel? I, it will divide. I didn't. Look, I'm a, I like a people pleaser, and I felt I felt the sadness when you, you know, no, I yeah. don't know the reference. I will yeah. exactly too. And I, I, I could, I could eat up this hour and a half with references you've never heard of. I want the, we want them, bring them. Yeah, yeah. So Zora, that's who, yeah. I, well, I, I, there are people in my generation that uh, I think uh, Lenny Bruce was one for. I don't know if you all know who Lenny was. No, I definitely know who Lenny Bruce is. Okay. Yes. Uh, uh, and it's just an area. Um, Richie Havens was one. Oh, it was a rock protest, you know, singer. There's, there's just a million people that I could name that influenced my life yeah. and my generation, too. I, I, I wonder sometimes, you're naming all these people. They're all, I guess they're all multimedia people, correct, for the most part? TV. Yeah, we need to let a Disney Channel... Uh, Character. Don't talk to me like this. We fit that river. <laughs> we could fill an hour talking about. Oh no. I. Well, I have some Gen X fighters. Although I, I had um one. I, I did want to, uh, conjure Willow Rosenberg from Buffy. Oh yeah. Because um, I mean, she like tech like, it's like technically she would be a Gen Xer because of the time she was in and when 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 she represented. But there was something about her character, just the way it was written at the time. It's like she was a gay character, but it was like an understated kind of you got a whole story arc with her finding the sexuality. And it wasn't like you weren't hit on the head with it. So there's something I really like about that as as a gay person. It's like, oh, this this is someone I can this person resonates with me and they have a. They're fully fleshed out before we even knew anything about their sexuality. It was like, oh, they're uh, they're becoming a witch. They're very nerdy. They're Jewish somehow. And, and, <laughs> wow. Those are the three best things. Agreed. I'm not a Gen Xer, but I am a Buffy obsessive, and Willow Rosenberg is my favorite character. If you haven't finished season six, pause this show right now and go watch, because Myron's going to share some light spoilers. Exactly. It's like, I, I, that, that's like, I resonate. And then if you've watched all of Buffy, she, she loses it and becomes evil and then becomes good again. But like, the, exactly. But the, like the, the way she did it was so like, she flipped all of a sudden and it's like, yeah, I can see myself. Like somebody shoots my girlfriend. I would, I would go to yeah. places, you know? Yeah. So, I think that's fair. That's valid. I think it's we valid. give that, that person a pass. Yeah. That gets passed for sure. Pass. Dr. Ryan Pohl, a Gen Xer, is a professor at Northeastern Illinois University who writes about entertainment and pop culture for Pop Matters magazine. 
He's also the author of Aquaman and the War Against Oceans. So how do you think TV and film have changed over the past decades, specifically like from the baby boomer generation till today in terms of diversity and representation? So one of the absolute strengths of television and the digital age and the streaming age is just the incredible diversity uh, of, of, of television content that's available right now. It's just unbelievable. The, the the quantity and quality of representation. Um, so I mean that's just that's just tremendous. But and I, mean, I think like every era, there's it's, it's paradoxical and it's ambiguity and there's ambiguity because there's positives and negatives. I think like going back decades, you know, with the baby boomers and Gen, Gen X, I'm Gen X, is that because we were limited to broadcast television, there were so few stations. It really was a shared culture. I mean, I think one of the great values of popular culture is, of course, is the value of the content itself but also its capacity to create communities um, and, and, and generate discussions and debates. So if I want to really conjure Gen X, um, I'm giving a shout out to Janine Garofalo, who was like the original comedy Gen X person, Reality Bites, people. I I made myself rewatch Seinfeld recently just because I didn't really get it when I was a kid. And she, there, there's an arc where she's dating Seinfeld and they're just so similar and it's creepy. Yeah. And it's like, well, you remember, yeah. So one, how do George and Jerry get all those women? It's just, I, they don't get it. Um, well, I could tell you, uh, having been around Jerry at that period of time in his career, mm-hmm. he didn't get the women. He, he, no. Oh, he was a good-looking guy when he was young. And uh, I I mean, I was still playing for the other team at that point. So, I, you know, I would just sit there and go, eh, son of a bitch, look at him. <laughs> but yeah, he was he was, um, he was a rising star back then, and that that shows a very accurate portrayal of his career. For you know, everything's exaggerated though, too. So yeah, as far as George goes, I, that Larry that's Larry David. Yeah, you know, I, I, I can tell you, Larry did not have women chasing after him. <laughs> I mean, a certain kind. Maybe now. Maybe now. I find him actually. I find him actually a little sexy, and I don't like men to be too. Larry David, right? What what it is? Myron's disturbed by this revelation for me. I actually will say I know a lot of girls around my age who have like celebrity crushes on Larry David. Yeah, yeah, it's a millennial thing, or maybe it's always Gen Z. It's a personality thing too. I think so many people are into personality, and even though his personality is purposefully bad on purpose, that's like his his shtick. Like I think that there's something so like funny about it, and like like at least when you're watching the show, like you like him so much, even though like daring you not to every three seconds that I'm sure yeah. that like plays into it. Yeah. I can't watch more than like two episodes of Curbs before I'm like, I, yeah, I need to leave the room. It's just been horrifying. And th- that's why I didn't watch It's Always Sunny, even though I'm from Philadelphia. And you know, what's funny to that because I couldn't get into Curb and I couldn't get into Sunny. I, I don't know why. I don't know. Well, both of those send us Maybe it's generational. Like, is it too, like, bleak, the outlook? When I was 15, I, like, stayed up four nights in a row and watched every episode of It's Always Sunny that existed and started talking like the characters to the point where my mom was like, can you actually stop? First off, stop saying God damn it so much, like, <laughs> and also, like, stop. Bridge Vino's Leibowitz, showrunner for the Gordita Chronicles, One Day at a Time, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and more, gave us a writer's room look at how comedy has been changing. I feel like I am seeing a move away 
from hard comedy and then move towards this sort of squishy dramedy, I guess, which I don't mind, but I also don't particularly love. Um, I, you know, grew up with The Office and Parks and I feel, and 30 Rock, and I feel I really do miss those types of comedies that yes tell really great character stories but also like the jokes are great you know i want to sit down to watch something i want to laugh you know that's that's just me but i have noticed a shift away from hard comedy and i really do miss those types of shows um for a while it also seemed like multi-cams were had faded away but now they're coming back which is great and family comedies too i think are in a little we're in a little bit of recession with the end of blackish you know, specifically was like our last in the Goldbergs. Michael Tran, co-author of the Hollywood Diversity Report, also explained about how new models of watching TV, such as the binge-friendly streaming platforms, can impact the economics of TV from behind the scenes. So if you can imagine yourself as uh, a creative in Hollywood, maybe you're from a marginalized community, um, you're trying to build your career. The traditional way of doing that is um, when your theater comes out, you can say, you know, my movie made this much money in the opening weekend. That's, I, I think that's been traditionally like what Will Smith has always said. It's like, I've always had the, the number one movie um, in in the opening weekend in all the movies that I've made for a long time until I think after Earth. <laughs> but then with uh, streaming platforms, because they work on a kind of different system with different assumptions, they don't make their viewership numbers public and you don't have anything like box office receipts to be able to compare between platforms and between different uh, creatives. So if you're like an up and coming, uh, you know, female director, for instance, maybe you've made like three or four movies. Maybe they seem like they've been big on on Netflix or Disney Plus or something like that. But there's not hard numbers for you to prove your bankability with. So it's... It's a tricky thing because what we've seen is that over the last 10 years, uh, diversity has steadily improved with like mixed progress, more in front of the scenes than behind the scenes. But something that's troubled us in this most recent report is that, especially in the theatrical, it seems like when the movie theaters are trying to come back to pre-pandemic levels, diversity has kind of stalled in movie theater releases, where it's still continuing in streaming. You could say that maybe streaming is going to be more um, accepting of diversity or diverse talent, but then there's downsides, like I said. As TV as we know it rapidly changes, there are also lots of shows that I miss. Like Minus Leibowitz, I love 30 Rock, and I'm sad every time it's pulled from Netflix. And this show that Olivia brought up, oh man, I used to flood my friends' Facebook feeds with clips from it. Shows I miss our flight of the Concords. I was obsessed with that when I was 12, like desperately in love with Jimmy Clement, like to a really, really stoppish unhealthy extent where it's like, it could have gotten like really bad because I would like break into events as like a 12 year old, not good at all. Um, not a cute 12 year old either. Not that that exists, but you know what I mean? Not like a tip toppy 12 year old, like a 12 year old with crutches and a lice haircut. Um, but, and then, and then, and then original arrest development, but when they brought it back, it was just different. The original, original, like if that were, had kept going, and then 30 Rock, and those are my pitchings right now. Because I brought it. was, yeah. And Shameless, I, I missed that for me. That was, a, was fun. Yeah. I thought it was a brilliant, brilliant piece of work. Arrested Development, like if 
if they would have kept the original print, like the first I don't know why, and a half seasons. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't. Like I've I've re- I've seen that all the way through a bunch of times. I actually had I wondered like actually as far as Arrested Development, they they were kind of a reference I had for like shows that haven't really aged super well because if you <laughs> if you look at some of the old, there's um some real transphobic stuff in some oh. of their older. Yeah, so there's this there's this one story arc where Portia de Rossi uh, has a shirt that's uh, uh, maybe gives her a shirt that says Shamale, which is slur now. I don't know what does that mean. I'm I'm sorry. I'm... Uh, it spells out female, so she's wearing oh. a shirt that says female, and I would never have sh- put that together. Okay. Right. I know. I I also was like, wait, what? what it's a fish. Yeah, it's a visual gag. Sorry, I'm not. I, I didn't want no, to. No, I, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I don't know if there's, I'm in a, I have a documentary on my life. I don't know if you've seen it, but they, uh, but in the movie, there's just, there's clips of me back in the eighties doing this highly transphobic material. Um, and looking at it, it you know, this, the scene is me looking at myself back then and, and just with my son, no less, and wanting to vomit, you know, and, and I'm yelling at the screen, shut up, stop doing that. And not to defend myself and not to defend that show, but everything is always evolving in when it pertains to trans people. We're we're new on the scene. I always feel like, you know, the opening of Mr. Bean where he comes down. Do you ever see that? He's, and he suddenly drops onto the sidewalk and there he is. And now he's got to function in this new world. And people around them have to learn the same, do that as well. That's what it feels like to be trans, I think, in this day and age. And, uh, I've been out for 23 years, so it's, you know, I've, I've seen the evolution. I think we got a long way to go, but, you know, there's, there's an awful lot of anti-trans stuff on older yeah. television. You know. I I only came to identify as non-binary over the last two years. Before that, I just, I just thought, well, I'm just a, a classic 90s lesbian living in this world with Ellen and Melissa Etheridge on my side and nobody else. K-Rock presents Classic 90s Lesbians. <laughs> That's my favorite band. That's my favorite band, too. First, I, mean, I love comedy. I, mean, it's, I love to laugh. But, like, intellectually, too, it's such an important arena and discourse of, of social critique, right? It's a way to punch up in sort of a safe space, right? And I mean, this goes back like, Shakespeare's clowns, Right. It was those clowns who always had the freedom to critique power. And the best comedians are those that know, that understand social reality and all its complexities and hierarchies and violences and able to make us both see it and laugh at us. And it takes people from oppressed communities to engage in that project and to do it through humor is just, is just such a gift and it's amazing. And of course, the problem with like this diversity, like diversifies his right wing voices, which of course is all about punching down. It's making fun of like right the, the, the marginalized, the vulnerable, the powerless, and that's like so gross. But um, I love comedy as a space of social critique while laughing. To be able to do both um, is is just it's just tremendous. And again, just just the because of social media to have access to all these different voices. In the art of comedy. Minos Leibowitz broke down how social media has created a new style of comedy specific to Gen Z. I think Gen Z is brilliant. I love them. They're my favorite generation. I think they're going to save the world. I think they are so sharp and self-reflexive and self-satirical without being self-deprecating. I think they have like a great, they all were raised with parents who were like, you're amazing, you're amazing. They all have incredible confidence, which I love. 
Um, and they also are not afraid to, this sounds corny, but like speak truth to power. They are willing to speak up. They advocate for themselves. They are willing to like take time off for self-care. They're like the better versions of the millennials, in my opinion. You know, like the, they're millennials that had therapy. <laughs> like they're healed. You know what I mean? And I feel like their comedy definitely reflects that, you know, as a millennial, it's a little hard for me to be so like auto analytical, but I think I will say we're definitely more political than Gen Z um, that I that I've seen um, political in our comedy, not political in action. I find Gen Z to be very, very active, you know, socially, politically. Uh, I mean, we all grew up in the heyday of Daily Show and Colbert Report. So I think we're accustomed. And we're also accustomed to more like, I think, a slightly sleeker, more polished comedy style because we grew up watching network television. But Gen Z's got TikTok. It's very DIY. It's very like, you know, means of production. Like they're just going out there and doing it. And I love that about their comedy and their generation. You had your uh, your generational, that's the one TikTok video you similarly have with the generational, like you're like Gen Z versus millennial. And you, I think you said like, this this picture of a shadow creature saying grunch is just yeah it was like the meme, the meme that the millennials liked was the meme of like the girl being like ermagerd goosebumps which yeah. is like i don't even know what that is it's just like a girl with a weird face holding up goosebumps books and it was so popular and that's a real meme that's like really yeah, cringy real. and then we made up a fake gen z meme which was just a, a shadow creature saying the word grunch and it makes no sense but like the joke was all the gen z's kids were like yeah that's the fucking meme as far as boomers are considered, I mean, they're like the classics, right? You know, like, like the, they're the kind of the equivalent of like the books you read in high school. Everybody reads in high school because they're, they're classics, you know, uh, and they stick around because they're good. And um, like Steve Martin is my all time favorite comedian. And I feel like he's got the, the, the boomers have like elements of the absurd, but also like of some sweetness and also like social commentary and. Uh, like Andy Kaufman, like pioneered so many types of alt comedy. I mean, Borat wouldn't exist without him. Do you know what I mean? And Seinfeld, who, in my opinion, is like the last of the great Jewish comedians, you know, that's a very specific type of humor that I was raised with by my grandma and my dad. And so I think there's like a huge, you know, a different kind of comedy diversity within the boomers that helped spur both Gen X and millennial comedians. You know, and sometimes you just have to go back to something classic in order to move forward. That's what Myra noted about what Julia has done with transforming her own stand-up act. Well, can I ask you a question about being inclusive? And from all, both all, the, we have two generations, right, represented here, and you, and you, cusps. I, I always feel uh, as a comic that I'm not connecting with your generations. That I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not relevant in your eyes. And, and I can say that that's not just me. And every, I think it's almost everyone in my generation. Uh, and it's interesting because when, when, and I hate to use this expression, but when I was your age, <laughs> but we, we looked to all the people for knowledge and wisdom, you know, we didn't always get it because some people were assholes, but you know, there's a lot of wisdom to glean from that. Just as I try to get it from your generations too. But why do you think, um, what would I have to do as a, as a comic to, to reach across, um, 
to interest. What I love about your act is it's just, it's it's funny and it's you, it's genuine. Like what we're missing, we're missing these human connections. And there's like, when I started to see the buzzword of authenticity thrown around, it was like, it's gross and icky because it's like, you just, some people just were before you had to like prove that I'm this person when I'm not on TikTok and I have a be real social it's like, here's where I really like, we have to like capture this authenticity, but like part of the blessing of where you're at is like, you missed all this stuff. So you're just like, I'm just doing this stuff. I don't get it. What do I have to do? But I, for, for me, the message is received. I don't know about you, said Olivia, like, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I also think too, that nothing is really original. And what I mean by that is people from our generation who will make content are basically just directly, you know, taking the content that they've seen from an older generation and being like, that totally influenced me. And now I'm just making something similar. As like, I not- did too, as I did when I started standing up. I think yeah. we, all, we all do it. It's, I mean, it's human. Yeah. To be like, like, you know, in the same way that we were all just talking about Larry David, Larry David has influenced more people in Gen Z than he probably knows. Yeah. You know, and I think that even when things aren't directly correlated to an older person, when people aren't being like, oh, my sense of humor comes from this thing, which is actually from back there through the system. That is what it's from. They just might not know it. We're always evolving. I'm old enough to remember the civil rights movement. And I've seen what's happened in 50 years, you know, from the time of Martin Luther King to now. So we, you know, we're moving, we're always like Barack Obama said, we're always moving forward and we're moving towards something. And that's, as long as we're moving forward, uh, even though, you know, like the right is, you know, is trying to kill us all. <laughs> you know? And I truly hope that doesn't happen, but uh, we are moving forward. Thanks for listening to It's Generational. We'd also like to thank our panel guests, Sid Heller, Olivia De Laurentiis, Myron Kaplan, and Julia Scotti for joining us, as well as our experts, Michael Tran of UCLA, Ryan Pohl of Northeastern Illinois University, and Gordita Chronicles showrunner Bridge munoz Leibowitz. Our theme music is by Zapdra. Check out our other episodes featuring this panel. We'll be talking about what we want TV to look like in the future and the state of in-person entertainment. This episode was produced by Mallory Samara and me, Lauren Berry. Myron Kaplan is Odyssey's managing producer for national news podcasts. Please leave us a rating and a review. You can listen to It's Generational on the Odyssey app or wherever you find your podcasts.